Our show wouldn't exist without you listening. But if you want more information on how to become a guest, how to recommend a guest, or just to stay in touch, go to flippinthelid.com. We'll see you there. Welcome back to Flipping the Lid. By now, you know what we do here. We love to get deep into the stories around some of the most successful and significant people who are creating impact in this world. And I get the pleasure of interacting with a variety of people across multiple different industries. And sometimes you just meet someone and connect. The vibration and frequency is there, and you know that there's depths beyond whatever is happening in the screen. And a few weeks back, that happened on a live. I got to meet this individual and immediately could tell the depth that existed within him. I could understand that there were stories that had shaped who he was, and on the outside and how he's known in so many cases, he's a, a business magnet. He's developed a massive wealth and was a millionaire in certainly his 22, but what was very obvious to me was the human behind all of those labels. And when I could see how he operates from a philanthropy perspective and how he shows up in the world and how willing he is to admit the perils of his past, I had to get him in this seat. But what I've come to know is that he's just a good man. He cares deeply about being a father and also about leaving an impact so that so many other people don't have to follow the same paths he did to establish the freedoms that he's created for himself. Derek, man, I'm happy to have you here today, brother. That was the best intro I've ever received. Wow. Very, very much. Wow. Well, thank you. I, uh, you know, I love to give intros based on how I see people, mm. right? I don't do lots and lots of depth on research on people either because I like to see what's right here. Sure. I think what's in front of me is the only thing that's real. And so far, every time you've been in front of me, you're very real and you meet that description. So that's how I see you. Who are you in your work? Ooh, boy, what a great question that I've and, and probably a very difficult question. I, and I would say, until recently, I don't know that even I was equipped to answer that question. Mm. I've been through so many iterations of who I was pretending to be. And I think only in the past maybe three to four years of COVID that I find that I take that back. I've always known who I was. I wasn't brave enough to be that person for the world. Fair. Uh, I am a poor kid from Rhode Island who achieved more success than maybe anyone man should. Uh, I, I got to pause you real quick because yeah. should's a shame-based word and it implies that whoever they are and whatever you're doing isn't good enough. Yeah. And I just can't accept that word in, in this show and because maybe maybe that a normal average man could or would in many situations. I like that. Then maybe more success than I ever thought I would. Thank you. Even Thank with aspirations of Because you don't have to protect yourself now either. So no shame and blame, bro. There. There. Uh, I am a, um, I'm a father foremost. Um, of course I, I always led with my wealth variety and, um, the persona that I play, cause I thought that would fill all the, the holes that I had inside of me, but more recently I realized that I am a philanthropist. I am someone that gets true joy, um, from giving. I mean, honestly, first time I started to feel whole when I leaned more into giving and receiving. So you said it when we were sitting down before the show, like we have a lot in common. Yes. Right. And though our stories are very different, I think our experiences, or at least the way we experienced our stories, we probably feel a deep connection and resonance with each other. And even as you were talking about that, I, I can reflect on the fact that there was a big period of my life that 
even though I became aware that my intellectual narratives that I thought were protecting me were actually disconnecting me. And I started to focus on human connection, right? As a, as a, as a way to feel more whole and not so isolated, disconnected and alone. I realized I didn't have a healthy model for what that looked like. And so I chased what the world taught, which was to chase all the what. That's right. right? And, and what's interesting is I don't think I could have said this until probably the last five years because I wasn't aware of it consciously. But unconsciously, I think I had believed that if I built a life of significance, that I built a life of success, that I had the material things that find success in our world today, that maybe just maybe people would want to be around me. Mm-hmm. I heard a lot of that in your story. 100%. When was the loneliest time of your life? I would say um, when all other people would have said is when I was the most successful in the public eye prior to now, because now it's different for a different reason. So uh, I would say maybe the four or five years leading up to COVID um, where I was selling my massive companies, tons of millions of dollars, nine-figure exits on top of the world. I was absolutely at the lowest point of my life on the inside. Mm-hmm. No one would have known it. No one would have seen it. Yeah. Um, but I was miserable in a way that I never thought I could be. Um, and it's because I feel like I was at the peak of what I thought was going to bring me pure joy. Then I found none of it. You talk about being miserable. Mm-hmm. What were you really feeling in that time? Alone, I think. Yeah. And, and I realized that everything I just spent 20 years building, as I, like you just said, I knew that was going to fix the broken little boy that I was when it didn't. I mean, where do I go from here? Yeah. And where I had to go was, and I, I feel like I did this one before, I almost had to burn the Derek that I knew to the ground and start over. I smile and laugh and resonate deeply with that. I've got a Phoenix bird tattooed on my right arm. And, oh, wow. And <laughs> as you know, the lineage of the Phoenix bird and the story. Well, yeah. It's essentially the fact that every time they grow into a more transformed version of themselves, they burn themselves into ashes and rise from the ashes. Oh, wow. Right. And so even what you just said, I, I always joke, I'm on Brian version 88.2 or whatever it is, because, right. And I don't know what the final version will be because there is no final destination. It's just constant evolution itself. How old were you when that happened? So to say 2019, so that was what, four years ago? So it's 40. 40. And 40, all of a sudden you wake up and realize that the entire thing you've been chasing your entire life wasn't going to give you what you really wanted. You could argue more than that. I don't know they gave me much. And in some ways, it actually made me even less happy with myself than where I started. That's heavy. That's heavy. It was very heavy for me in the moment. Yeah. And I just got divorced. COVID started. I've got this massive 13,000 square foot home. And I'm sitting in it alone. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. I've got nothing. Where people would say I had everything. So when someone builds a life of prominence, significance, right? It's you, you've clearly established that you have your shit together for lack of a better word. And lots of ways externally that drive towards financial business success. Yes. Okay. I, 
I don't know enough about all of your details yet to think whether or not you did that in every other area. But the point is, is that that's at least what the world has access to. Yes. You know, I find that uh, the more significance and prominence I've raised, the lonelier I've gotten in some ways, and the more clear it is that more people want something from me than before. Yes. So you're 40 years old. You're probably feeling that same thing in that moment. Mm -hmm. And how did you decide or did you decide that you were going to go public to talk about your story? And who did you lean on? Because when you're the guy that everyone leans to and you have the significance and the wealth, trust issues exist, mm -hmm. imposter issues exist. Like it's, it's heavy. Who do you go to? Um, I don't have a, a, a large portion of people to lean on because, like you said, my whole life, even as a child with my parents, I was the one people leaned on. And so I think until even very recently, that was my badge of honor. It was who I was. I'm the guy that holds everybody on their shoulders. Um, and I even just recently, I was starting to realize that that's actually not my, my superhuman strength, something else. Um, but I don't have... I don't really have a support system that I lean on. A new partner, I would say, is someone that I found that. Um, but until recently with new relationships, honestly, even with someone like yourself, I, that's been the greatest part of your journey. I never expected, never expected that I would meet people. And like you said, through a thing you wouldn't understand it. Sometimes, in a few moments, you know when someone else has been through that shit, whether it's verbalized and i can't tell you how i just do it's like a lightning bolt, right um so the answer is didn't i didn't really have anyone just like when i was a kid and i and i do actually attach the two moments when i was going through the abuse and i had to decide like how to survive and 2019 where i had to decide to almost be reborn and I let go of everything so yeah, that's the answer. I didn't really have anyone. And so this new journey, I wouldn't say that I'm looking for people to lean on. I'm looking for people that I can be open with. Yeah, and I think that's my version of leaning into each other. Yeah. Leaning on. Yeah. Which I think is so important because just because you can carry the weight doesn't mean that it's not fucking heavy. And, and you know, I was I was literally one of the guys I was telling you about that we just did some work with this last weekend. It's it's really interesting, and I won't give details, and I'm not going to give all of it. But but he has a uh, a name that's known in one of the industries that he's known for, and I'm going to keep it vague because I don't want to expose him. It's his story, but it's fascinating because the name identifies the Greek god Atlas, hmm. which is literally carrying the weight of the world on their back. Yeah. As so many of us who, for whatever reason, felt that we needed to protect ourselves or protect others, armored up in a way that we convinced ourselves we needed to carry the weight of everything for a very, very, very long time. Going back to that time when you were a kid, you talk about the abuse and you talk about the poverty. At what point did you become aware that you lived and existed in both? Very early, which is weird because I never knew anything. Um, but... Funny. So for me, my escape—it's mm. uh, a place that I went to get away. And so my only comparison to what I was living, um, Section Eight poverty, all those things, was television. And I remember, but I remember things like lifestyles of the rich and I'm aging myself. Yeah, but things like that—that that was the only concept I had outside of 
um, what I was living. And so I, I held on to that. I remember as a little boy holding on to tours of homes in Beverly Hills yeah. and Rich, uh, Rich Folks. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so that was it. Me, all I knew was extreme poverty and then things that I saw on TV. And so that was my escape. And that was the only point of reference that I had between the two. And so at what point did you attach to realizing that you wanted to be able to provide yourself with the lifestyles of the rich and the famous, just like you were envisioning at that time? Very young. Yeah. It's what, it's so silly, but it's, I think it's part of what got me through things that you probably, well, not the problem, that my siblings didn't get through. Right. Got it. Um, my brother is in jail currently, and my sister went to jail for 12 years. So, uh, it, it was such a, a difficult environment that it's not surprising that it broke them in ways that it And it broke me in ways people don't know, too. Um, you know, I didn't deal with poverty directly. We were never the rich ones around. And I paid for my very first car for $4,000 when my best friend was given that 700 series BMW. To show the contrast of like my perspective. Absolutely. So though I didn't have trouble with food on, on, on the table or clothes on my back, um, there was a lot of limitations built into our family. And, and I would say generational patterns passed down that existed through poverty. My dad grew up. Uh, was one of five, the oldest of five, and took the beating for his other four brothers. And he's the only one that escaped a life of prison and everything else that came with that. One of five. What made you the one to escape? Interesting that you say that, because I, I did, you see the oldest? He was the oldest. So I guess that's the parallel. I did the same thing. It doesn't take long before you figure out that if you antagonize the abuser, he focuses on you, which protects everybody else. So exactly what my dad did. And he never wants to us. No. Oh, no. You know, my dad never once hit us, which gives me a whole hell of a lot of credit for. I won't ignore it. I didn't even raise my voice. Beautiful. Um, because why would you? And there's this whole sense of abuse from abusers that I can't get around that because that, that's a whole other bag to unpack. Um, lost my train of thought. We were, we were talking about my dad and how he was the oldest, and you were saying that was the parallel. It is the parallel. And for me, poverty was a, poverty was a, a walk in the park. It was that, that was just. The environment we were living in. Right. I had just been. Uh, it was the, the abuse on top of the poverty. It really yeah. compounded the situation. Well, yeah, because it puts a whole bunch of other things into place. Well, and, sure. you know, I'm a big believer that like all human beings seek and desire to feel safe, feel protected, to be seen, understood, and to be connected. And you don't get these human wants to get the first two, right? But when we don't feel safe, we protect ourselves and our armor goes up like Fort Knox. Right. My, my armor was so thick. I wasn't even aware of what was behind it, even though I in some ways thought I was aware of what was behind it. And it created a lot of other ripple effects in my life. I'm curious. What do you believe is the greatest detriment to your childhood that you've experienced in your life or business so far? Ask that again. What do you believe is the greatest detriment in either your life or business due to the environment that you were born and raised into so far? I would say meaningfully, real meaningful relationships that aren't superficial. Do you have any say that you believe are real, meaningful relationships? I have more now than I've ever had in my life. Beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Um, but almost like almost like an addiction, you have to you have to constantly put the work in. Um, because that you know, I, I was the old Eric for forty years. So from time to time, even myself, um, I feel those 
old habits and old walls, of course. But I think the beauty in recognizing is actually that's the progress. It is the progress. And, and the fact that you can even talk about it through the other side shows that you recognized and caught yourself in patterns that you didn't like yourself in. Absolutely. Now, um, you know, raised in poverty, raised in abuse, you don't have to have a college. If we took hard work off the table as an answer, why did you succeed? Um, I wanted to prove everybody wrong. <laughs> that was a big driver. And maybe I was trying to actually, let's go deep. Maybe I was trying to prove myself wrong. Well, I was just going to say, I think you were trying to prove yeah. yourself either right or wrong. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I had you act that I was always going to be the biggest thing in the world and make so much money. But I think you doubted me and I doubted it. I just wrote it. And so I think that's probably what was the truth. I wanted to put myself on. Yeah. Well, I know that in my my initial rise in making money, that was also my experience. Yeah. It was completely that experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where, where I think my greatest drive came from me needing to prove it to myself that I was capable of it. And, and for me... It wasn't just capable of it for myself. It also was for other people. Absolutely. Right? You know, what I will say is, again, it's a little bit different lens, but I remember coming out of the hospital when my arm was torn from my body. And I have a teddy bear hanging here in between my arm. My arm's at 80 degrees. And people would walk up to me and say, oh, what happened to you? And I'd say, I was a little red trap and my left arm was torn. And at seven, I remember, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 years old, immediately they would pause and they'd turn to my parents for validation. Which sent me the message. They didn't believe the story I just told. Hmm. That my own truth, my own story couldn't be accepted. <laughs> right? And it's interesting because it conditioned a lot of things that the other narrative was born. That is, they immediately then viewed me through their lens of what they'd be capable of in my situation. Interesting. And I said, stop that. Yeah. Right? And that was the period of time of 13 years that I got so armored. And the intellectual narratives were Brian's good, Brian's strong, Brian's capable, he can be anything himself. Now, very was yeah, the world thought that the other piece of that narrative was that I'd ask for help if I needed it. Mm. But I didn't want to know how to ask for help and I didn't have the courage to ask for help. But clearly there are parallels to your experience of those things. What parts of your story did you feel people didn't believe or support? Well, I, I come from a place of zero cheating. So I'm not sure what support looks like, although I do know on some level. So I was all of I mean, I, you know, everybody expected me to be the opposite of what I am. Mm. Um, you know, it's hard to watch siblings and your family members. Um, actually, you know, it is hard to rise when they don't because I am getting better now. But I had extreme guilt, wealth guilt is what I call it. Mm. Um, because the higher I went, um, the more scrutiny, the, I was the bad guy. You're putting us in a shadow. I, I felt like I didn't deserve it, which for me actually drove me more. Well, if I get more, I can help more. And I bought love and I bought friendship and I poured all of my money into friends who loves me. Um, and then when I stopped, of course, they didn't. So it was just this recycle of just, just disappointment and, insecure and little queen and i just continued to do it bigger and it got bigger uh in dagestan when i i finally said i'm done with everything that i can know when did you realize that you dealt with shame 
when did I realize? Honestly, I was, I'm, I'm, here's my gift and my curse. I'm very good at recognizing my faults and not doing anything about them. <laughs> okay. So that's fair. <laughs> so I, I recognized these things I was doing for years. And somehow I guess I will just justify or really I was afraid to do anything about it. COVID. So let me, let me rephrase the question. Cause I, I think, I think maybe it didn't land the way I was, I was, I was hoping. Um, Shame has to talk about. Mm-hmm. I'm not worthy or I'm not good enough. Yep. Well, when you shut that down, you're fucking learning us. Who the fuck do you think you are? Okay. Everything major I ever did in my life until I was in my thirties, I felt the need to apologize for. Which is essentially what it's hurting your story. Yeah. The bigger you got, the more you felt you needed to make yourself small with family, with others, or you would fight and resist that. Yes. So that is a shame emotion pattern, right? That comes from protection. When did you realize that you dealt with shame in your life? Hmm. I'm telling you, it it all happened to me like an atomic bomb in 2003 is when it all came together. And I think it's because for the first time in my life, um, well, you know, with COVID, everything stopped. Mm-hmm. And so I actually, I couldn't bury myself in everything that I was doing. And I'm in my home alone and quiet. And luckily, I, cho- I, I took that time not to compound my issues, which was initially how it started. Yeah. You know, uh, every time I started, and it's still true today at 44. And it'll probably happen today. But if you really tap into something, and I'm being truly open and genuine, I cheer up. Literally, oh, I've seen emotion well behind you. Yeah, yeah. I literally pull it. Yeah. And so you might even know better than me where that comes from. Um, but uh, yeah. 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 Well, I, I, I can deeply appreciate the focus of the COVID shift. Um, you know, and I, I told you that we weren't going to go too much into my story today, but the oh, I, I, highlights, cause I want you to understand as well. Like this is something that I deal with, even though I'm known as the trash man who helps people identify and take out their biggest <laughs> problems. And so the reality of it is, is, is when we came into COVID, right, it compressed our entire existence. Yeah. And it exposed things that we didn't even see ourselves because so many of us in this world were in autopilot and we have not. Right. right. All of our rhythms, all of our patterns, all the morning routines, all of our pro- just gone. Right. And regardless of how long people stayed there, because, you know, that's a whole nother thing that I don't want to be in compact. Right. It at least caused everyone to do it for a period of time. It's the first normalizing experience in the entire existence of the earth where everybody experienced the same thing simultaneously. It's true. Right. And it relegated the most successful people to the same forms of communication as their front life staff, frontline staff for the very first time. And then you can find like working parents and virtual learning, good luck, like especially if you have special needs kids or anything else, right? And you look at all that and what it's told is that 14 months into COVID, I thought I was gonna get divorced. Mm. We got not have to level up anger that I didn't even know existed. I've heard that. And it was buried so deep, it could barely be expert. But we've now gone back and have done significant repair. And again, my story goes through that. But where was the greatest place that was knocked out of autopilot for you? And if COVID was this compression period that forced you to look at yourself and realize all these things, what was the darkest realization you had about your truth? Really? I think my realization was all of the things that I on the on the surface look like were um, philanthropic 
full, genuine. I was doing them um, solely to look. I actually, there was no meaning behind it. So it was, I was still doing Thank good. you for saying that. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. I was doing good things, mm-hmm. but I wasn't doing them to do good things. You weren't going for the right reasons that moved you. I was doing them for notoriety. I was doing them to look big. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I still impact people, but, but it was. And so that was that was difficult to admit, although I suspect that you it when I'm doing it. But swallowing it, leaning into it, and addressing it, um, it was it was a lot for sure, but it also allowed me facing allowed me now to do it in a way that actually fulfills me versus doing it. Yeah. So, so I appreciate that you took it down the route of philanthropy, and that being one of the darkest realizations, particularly because something that is so focused on doing it from a place of good and giving can be so easily diluted or toxified with done in the wrong reasons. And, and to your point, I, I agree with you. You, you still, still had it. Right? right? And we've all been in those rooms where it's a gala event and people are trying to get the biggest donation publicly with their name on it or not or whatever, right? And, and I don't want to say that there's anything wrong with that, right? I'm not vilifying that, but everybody has their own agenda and initiative. What, what I'm really fascinated about for you is was philanthropy really the darkest thing you uncovered? And I realize I asked a yes and no question, but I just, I have a hard time giving everything you shared, believing that that was the darkest place for you to visit in COVID. Yeah, fair. I appreciate you doing that. Uh, I think I realized that my childhood uh, impacted probably every relationship in my life to date. It's a reason ultimately regardless of spouse or whatever that marriage didn't work out and that i had very toxic coping mm-hmm. whether it was alcohol or whatever it was i'm not to say i still don't enjoy it I'd go out and have fun, but when i'm doing it now it's to go out and have fun right. and not be barely how i was feeling you know so when you realized during COVID this was your reality and that your past had impacted so many things that you believed were going to be meaningful, how did that feel? It felt surprisingly good. And not, not instantaneously, but pretty damn close. Because you shifted it from shame and blame on yourself for the things that felt incongruent to realizing that it was things that you didn't have any control over. So there's the word control. And I, and I preach this to people, and I just never did it. You know, when something goes wrong or regret, leaning into it, the, 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 the reason you experience the feeling is that lack of control, yeah. where she'll simply just lean into it and accept that you can't do anything about it anymore, except that you can, which is just moving And you do get that instant power back uh, in strength. Yeah. And so now I take that back almost most instant is to the verb or night is all it could be a second it could be an hour but as i look back it was blue goosies um it was an incredible uh, it was just an incredible well i think you know acceptance of the unavoidable precursor to change right so until you accept the current state of things you cannot alter them you cannot begin to do normal 
And I think in your case, what, what's interesting is you're able to look at all the relationships, all the negative elements of what you experienced and can put it into this bucket. We call it the trash from people's mouths. Mm -hmm. And I always say this, like 99% of the time, trash from people's past is not your fault. Agreed, right? It's generationally inherited, it's patterned in, it's environmentally conditioned, and there's so many things that we can't even escape. And, and, and largely, most people remain unconscious to it for the majority of their lives. Right. right. And, and I, I think that the ones that are able to actually go inside, have the courage and desire to stand in their own truth are the ones that can start to grow. Right. right? You amass the giant wealth and then realize you were completely empty and had nothing that you really wanted most in terms of meaning and connection. Right. right? Or very little. Okay. What does the last four years look like? And how do you reconcile that gap in your life from today and moving forward? Today, um, I mean, it's almost unrecognizable. And so if you had met years ago, maybe not you, but most people would have seen the difference. You're still kind and dramatic, cheap, smiling, happy. Uh, but I find now that I'm doing things for the genuine just for the genuine act of doing it, I am attracting a different caliber of people into my life. Mm. Um, and it's crazy because I do believe in manifestation and what you put out that we get back. Um, but it's almost, um, it's almost, I hate this word, but it's almost magical. It, it, how, how am I now just by being this genuine person? Now I'm surrounded by people who want nothing from me other than to add value to my life because they know that that's what I want too. And so I spent the better part of my entire life um, sabotaging everything that I want, but I didn't know anything. You know, I, I appreciate even how you just navigated that. You said a few minutes ago that your greatest strength and your greatest weakness is your team awareness around all the things that you need to do you just don't always do them that's, that's very true what do you need to work on today hmm i think i still need to get better at close relationships mm -hmm. um i'm very good at um general relationships. i still it's still even hard to stay i'm still guarded I'm still guarded yeah. i'm better than i've ever been um, but trust is a very difficult thing. Um, uh, with the people that I love the most, even as much as my partner in life or, or my children, my probably the best relationship I've ever had in my life. Mm -hmm. And I still think I, I can go, there's a deeper, uh, pond for me to still be in. So, so I will tell to you, to tell you as a new friend, yeah. and this is in no way intended to be anything other than just out of pure love. Yeah. Your, your awareness that the armor still exists is amazing. Thank you. Because many people will sit into a position like you and will position or pontificate about how evolved or aware they really are. Yet, yet, right, don't necessarily see the gap in as many ways. So for you to realize that you have more depths there, that you can go deeper, and that you are inherently guarded, well conditioned from your lack of trust because of your upbringing, right? It's still this protectionary state, but the power in that is, dude, 40 years you lived that current pattern, and then you flip the light switch, 
And that just goes to show you massive progress can be had in four years, but it's not like you flip the switch and everything goes away. You said earlier on that you are now in a position in your life where you can give compared to receive. What I think is fascinating is I think that that's, I don't know what category it's into for you, but energetically, what's really fascinating is you're actually receiving more today than you ever have, just not necessarily financially. I would agree with that. And so I would argue that this is one of those things that I really genuinely believe. I shared this with you when we first met. My wife and I have this philosophy I'm giving until it hurts. Yes. We've always had this belief, no matter how much money we've had, haven't had, it's ebbed and flowed in our life. We've had some, we've lost some, right? But we always give to the point that we see it. Mm. Time, energy, money, and resources. Now, we were giving in a place so abundantly in so many years that we actually gave more to this community than we sacred for ourselves during invested for ourselves. Well, now that's not something that I go around and brag about. In fact, I hid that behind my shame for years because I'd be like, I don't want anybody. Well, he's not very smart. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, I just have genuinely believed that like these are all seeds that I'm planting, and it's not for my benefit. But where and how can these things grow through impact? Yes. I think you're receiving a hell of a lot more today than you ever have based on what you talked about as it relates to the relationship that exists in your life today, the depth that you're now aware of, and the freedom that you have by dropping some of the armor. I agree with that. And so what I'm really curious about is, is if you now are in this place where you say, I can give more than your teams, how do those two correlate for you? Well, I didn't look the way you... You just uh, spoke about it, but I think you're right. I think what I'm better at now, because I've always been a giver. Now, I'm giving in a more genuine way, and you're also receiving in that. I'm actually receiving at all. Because before, everything bounced off. You received financially before in a month. Sure, but that's that's the easy stuff. Um, the only reason I took it there was because that was... Well, you're right. Right? Oh, you're right. And so you're now getting depth as a human. Yes, I'm, I'm able now to receive true... Uh, emotions, feelings, things like that. And it's, it's an incredible thing that I don't know that I ever thought I would be able to do because of past. And we just to go back a little bit up there in, in COVID, one of the big things, I want to make sure this is important that I really unpacked there was, um, my mother did a really poor job of actually acknowledging what hurt in our childhood. And so after so long, I almost and whether all of it actually happened. And mm. as crazy as that is, time does funny things. And so when you hide from something for so long, and then your mother, every time it comes up, says it didn't happen, almost like an old movie. You're like, did that really happen that way? And that during COVID, I got back at a lot and confronted my mom about it and all that. I want, you, you asked really what it was, and it's one to make sure that I got the like That was also one of the big, big things that allowed me to, yeah, that is exactly what, uh, and um, that that changed me too. And it ended the relationship. Mother unfortunately didn't talk to her in three and a half years. Uh, see any opportunity to reconcile them? I think about it every day, and I would love to have it happen every day um, because she's a wonderful grandmother. Um, but her presence in my life is detrimental to my progress. So mm. perhaps. When I get to that deeper pond, I'll be able to make space for her. But today, I just can't do it. Mm. But I think about it in a regular. I will. Uh, 
I'll share some stuff with you afterwards. Yeah. It might be yeah. helpful. Um, I felt that I had like this amazing question that popped in my head right when you were talking and then it left me, which meant that that was not the one that was to be asked. Um, and so I, I fully just was in that moment because the separation from a parent, man, I know that that's, that's gotta be something that still hurts. Yeah. It, it, you know, she was the closest person in my life, at least by design, mm. uh, for the better part of my life. But I've learned that it was a bit of a manipulation. Yeah. And now this has to say a culture for it. She comes from a broken family as well. Of course. Um, so they certainly did the best she could. Um, but at some point, I realized I needed what I'm hoping is great. Mm. And, and that can be revisited. Yeah. 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 Um, well, well, I definitely think that there's something there. So we'll, yeah, we're, we're going to come back to that, I'm sure. Um, I'm, 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 I'm really interested in some of the things that you even talked about as it relates to how you are moving through the world. You are aware now that you're receiving a little bit more than you were giving. Um, it's fascinating though, because as you are opening yourself to give with more purpose, you're receiving in more depth. What, what do you still lack belief in your abilities to do today because you believed at one point connection was impossible? I would say I still question, I still don't know that I know fully what completely letting go of. Wow. Um, I think I have some very beautiful relationships, but it's almost silly to say. I'm a visual thinker, so I give it to me the way I see it. I question if I really understand what a completely um, just open and uh, open relationship. And I think I'm the closest with my daughters and my partner. Yeah. Um, but I come from a place that those types of things aren't allowed. Yeah. And so I've made real progress. I feel really good about it. But I, I, that would be my answer. I don't know if I even know what it fully looked like. I think that's fair because until you experience it, it's very difficult. Sure. Right? So you're not a model there. What do you do about it? And, and so, so you're still trying to just navigate on a day-to-day -day basis on how to connect more deeply with yourself. Yeah, and I hope, I hope that's a process that I continue for the rest of my life. I think it will be. You, you know, you say at one point you didn't believe it was even at all possible. Mm -hmm. I, uh, there's a part of me that senses that you still don't believe it's completely possible. I hope it is. Hope, hope is a different thing than, than, than belief and energy, right? No, sure. I mean, like, you, really, you believe that what you are seeking at this time is within reach. I do. I don't know. I don't know what it looks like from a time. That's fair. Um, and honestly, I don't. I'm a guy that's a goal and as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. that, that's my expertise. That's where I'm lethal. So for the first time in my life, really, this is the one. Uh, expedition that I don't care how or how I get there or when I get there. I'm enjoying the pursuit of it because I feel better about it every day. Yeah. Um, and so that's exciting. It is exciting. If we look at business for a second. We're not going to go deep on business, yeah. but I am curious because it seems like in today's world, the purpose of business is to build it until you can dump a profit and then get out. There's lots of fascinating approaches to that. So I'm curious, one, how do you know when to get out? And what I'm also curious about is how do relationships factor into this concept of build and dump? Uh, well, relationships to me are 
your, the person that's next to you is probably the biggest decision you can make in life. No matter how big you are, whether you're Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, um, you come on, it's how you feel most often, your family, right? And so I think that's, I mean, I, I yeah, it never happened to me with you. You got me, I get so locked in on the inside, like, like you did. Give me, give me, do you literally every price that I've lost the question? Yeah, I've, I've lost the question in my head. Why you know you does not happen to me? I'm sitting here like, okay, I'm literally like going. Um, I lost. Beautiful. So it'll come back. Which meant that it wasn't theirs. I don't even know what the hell's going on here. It's something happening where we're we're there's just interference that's taking place tonight. You, you talked about being a father. Yeah, <laughs> being the most important thing to you. Describe that. It is my way. You got me open. It is my way of taking care of me when I was a little. So that's all I know, right? Um, so I do everything the opposite of what we've done. And so I, you know, there are outside people. I, I'm a very different type of parent. I am incredibly open with my children. They know everything. We are as well. Um, Dad, did you drink that? Dad, did you do drugs? I did. Because, and I give them respect. Like these, listen, the kids are people. They're not your, you don't own them. It's not a, a toy that you bought or a car that you bought. They treat your child with some respect. Um, like, you know, one of the things that I, people have commented on this, just every time I talked to my children when they were younger, I always got down on me. I never wanted my child to look at me like I was standing. I wanted them, I wanted to hear with them. And so I always dealt with my daughters in a way, like I said, I wanted to be handled and dealt with. Um, we have on a regular basis, and we talk about the world, we talk about God, we talk about, I have no aspirations for my daughters. I don't care if they run the world or if they were a barista at Starbucks, and they know. I don't care if they go to college or not. I want them to be blissfully happy. I want them to pursue something that sets their hair on fire. I want them, I want, I want for them what I didn't find until recently. And I, I demand not waste their life. Um, it's crazy to say that I felt that I wasted my life, but I did for a period of time, um, regardless to you. And so my daughter shamed me in a way that I don't, that I don't know I can even verbalize. They made me a good man. More than that, they made me want to be the best man I can be. And so when I sat in that house during COVID with my children, um, got me, um, and thought, what if they saw me the way I saw? That was the cat. How do you see yourself at that time? I didn't like any, anything, nothing, not an inch of it. And I had every, every, from a superficial standpoint, if you look, I had all the relationships, all the money, all the cars, all the house, and everything. I had the life that I built because of when I was watching that TV as a kid locked in the closet for three days thinking that's what was going to make me happy when I got there and I was not. It was just miserable. At that time, how you rated yourself as a father? So one thing I knew was well. So I never everything. Fair enough. Yeah. One thing I, I never motherfucked up was being father. So I wasn't everything. Agreed. Wow. I'm, I'm curious, do you have the relationship you desire with the children? I would say they're probably only with the that I have allowed for sure. Although you need to be with kids, right? Because 
they don't have any conditioned responses in what you put in their worlds. And so I think there are kids that are the greatest reflection of us. Um, they give us the greatest opportunity for growth if we're willing to feel it and listen. Agreed. Um, what would you say is your favorite part about being a dad? And, and, and how have you balanced? I don't like the word balance. How have you integrated life with the business success and the family focus that you have? Because many people think it's not possible. Good question. I love this. And you're making me really think through why I made some decisions. I really love and appreciate and I knew this was going to happen. So I always, I didn't know until just this moment. So I've always integrated my daughters into every inch of every business deal I've ever done in my life. They would sit in boardrooms with crayons and look like they were teaching notes. And every deal I do, today, um, I talk to them about it. Here's the deal. This was bad things. Now, by this, no, 14 to 16, there. Well, yeah, they, they, they have a real team because they probably actually have some pretty good. Well, they own their own. own, their own. <laughs> so, but anyway, I never forced none. Of them. Now, what I'm recognizing is I didn't know how not to work so hard to achieve so much, but I knew I wanted my daughters with me every inch of that journey. And so I think I did that to make sure that they, I didn't leave them behind. They do that with everybody else. I had, you know, they could come or go. Mm-hmm. It didn't really matter. It mattered, but it was very to my goal. Yeah. Um, so I think that's how I created it. And I, that's my work tonight. Um, as much as I worked, I was always home for dinner. Uh, I never missed anything my daughters have ever done. But I was the dad that was always there for everything. And they're really they're probably the only people in my life I've ever really shared with. 100%. How would you kids describe you? I think that they would describe me as kind and giving, and that um, I always have time. Uh, and that's awesome. That's awesome. You know, I was telling you before, I, I like love to be able to integrate my life. That's part of the reason I left the risk management employee benefits consulting world yeah. next year to that buy sell years ago because I really wanted to be able to integrate my life even more. And, I had the pure pleasure, like I said, just being in this last weekend of my wife and kids joining in a transformational retreat. Yeah. And that's what the epitome of tourists. Yeah. Agreed. Right? And so for me, especially given that my wife and kids show up and they live and breathe and exist with the empathy and compassion that we teach through the world and all their ability that, that they are all so comfortable in because that was the biggest thing we wanted our kids to know is who they are and they'd be able to know how to advocate for who they are. Because if they know who they are, they love who they are, and they can advocate who they are, they can do it for anybody else also. Mm, I like that. But if they don't understand how to do it for themselves, how can they ever begin to do it? Agree. And so we've always had like really foundational pieces. And I always felt in right? When whenever those things have happened, you had your kid in boardrooms with you. In times in your life when you say everything was going wrong and you didn't like what you were doing, did you feel the incongruence with your kids in the room? In, you participating in business or in life in ways that you today aren't proud of? I do. Um, but I think, A, I know it can give me comfort. Having a more. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. And listen, it's not, I, was, I didn't do bad things. So I wasn't proud of what I was doing. It just didn't bring me joy. Fair, Fair enough. enough. But I think that's why it, I, it wasn't incongruent. Um, but there was still that dark kind of shame inside. But I didn't know that what I was doing, I was also teaching my children um, communication. Yeah. Um, 
relationship building, all of that type of stuff. You do love yourself. I do now. How long does it take you to get there? 40 and change? That's okay. You saw it? No, it's it's 40 and change. I think even in the last year um, is probably where I feel the best about the human being that I am. Beautiful. Yeah. And again, on the surface, I'm not doing much differently. It's just, in fact, I'm I'm not like Other than really different relationships, I'm, I'm structuring it looks very, very similar, which is actually, I think there's something there for people to look at. It's not, it's not so much what you're doing on the outside, it's only what you're doing on the outside. That's it. Like I literally used to say, I chased the what and it caused me to lose who I was. And when I aligned with who I was, all the what's in my world are messed That's right. Then it can look almost identical on one side or the other, but the experience you have and the people that are in it with you have, ID clients, business partners, relationships, anybody that's in your world, it's just different when you drop your armor and show up as a human. That's right. And I don't want to mention this before. It's all, I don't, it's almost disingenuous. I feel like people will be like, well, feel bad. You, you have all money, you have all this stuff. Oh, yeah, it's, it's secondary to how you feel. I still, I still pursue wealth. I still pursue success. But I'm not saying that forget success and money if you're happy. I'm saying, I'm saying that if you, if happiness is paramount, then the success not only can be bigger, but we're saying the same thing. I'm happy that you clarify that because that is something that is absolutely the case. I never get a sign by the way, when I was miserable because I had it, or in the moments when I had it, if it helps in life. And if it's not let it be, like for me, it's going to be motivation to help other people, to have other things. Like I want everyone to make as much money as they can possibly make, and they want to make right? Some people don't want to make a lot of money, and that's okay. And so for me, it's about aligning with who you are. But when you align with who you are, it amplifies everything. It blows up, right? Um, What's your end game? Hmm. I'm excited to see what my children um, with all of the support that I never had. Um, and none of that, that's necessarily an end game. So like from, so from, a, from a business perspective, there is no end. I've already surpassed what most people would consider an end game. So for me now, I'm, I used to own hundred percent of everything like Gollum with the ring and what was the ring it's mine even for people that deserve to have equity i didn't give it to them huh? i can say that it's true um because it was mine big bad Derek, it's all mine because i needed that notoriety yeah. um now um i search out opportunities to give equity to younger entrepreneurs uh, this new path of building just a scene so entrepreneurs is by my side, not behind me. Um, I guess that's the end game. I, I want to share now all of the stuff that I've built, all of the experience that I have, and just give it away and watch other people rise um, because I have so much that I can give. I was just afraid to do it. I that's incredible. And it is so much better when it's collective. Of course it is. So much more fun. It's so much better when it's completely different. It's a completely different game. So I appreciate that. So you're 
you're shifting, you're enabling, you're elevating and empowering kind of this next generation of entrepreneur to be able to tap into your experience, resources, and everything. But more than that, also this new part of me, I think is really important too, is chase money, but that's got to be secondary. Or, or at least in time. And that's when it's best. Correct. One more thing. That's right. You're not going to fill that hole that you feel um, with money. Trust me, right in my hole. Right? And I think some of the most entrepreneurs come from really broken homes because there's this really interesting, just uh, massive insecurity that drives you to become very um, but as we already talked about, when you get there, you realize, oh, man, it didn't fill that hole. Just have bigger, deeper. I've done a variety of joint ventures in my life, and I, and I always look at it through the lens of, even if it's just for basic numbers, 50% of something is better than nothing. And nothing. 100%. And I always look to partnership to be a 1 plus 1 equals 3 scenario, or 1 plus 1 equals some exponential number grid. Right. Um, by complementing, offsetting, through, you know, you... Say that you struggled with relationships on the personal side, right? And the degree of you even saying, yeah, some people deserve equity. I would also argue that the only way to attribute financial success is by understanding the value of relationships and being able to understand, like, what is that value and how do you structure partnerships and relationships so they're mutually beneficial terms, right? And it's life, not just in business, 100%. And so... On one hand, you struggle with relationships, but on the other hand, you understand boundaries, structure, and details of relationships with debt. How do you navigate the differences in both of those? And, and as it relates to the partnerships that you've developed or will in the future, what are the things that you look for to fundamentally structure trusting, connected relationships, business or not? I just need to learn to trust at all. Not um, look from a business perspective was a completely different answer, which we can get into that. Very I would. I think. We, I think it'd be relevant. Yeah, so but, but talk about the personal one since you were leaning here first. Business. Um, now I look for traits that I had as an entrepreneur and hunger, desire, over education and experience, um, because I know what drive towards it really is and i'm not knocking education of course it's great if that's for you um but some of the hungriest hardest working people come from nothing and have no education right and so they're using questions you know that i, that I ask and i go i'm a glut guy listen i'm a hostile from nothing I, I come from the dirt and so it would be it would be incredible and spare for me not to give people a chance based on anything other than I get a really bad feeling on this. Guy. Yeah, that doesn't happen very often. Um, so, so that's the bit. That's the answer on the business yeah. side. Um, on the people side, well, it's trusting. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm working on that. As again, for me, I said just actually being open to the idea that I'm willing to trust anybody has catapulted me forward. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't want to act. Like I have the answer on something that I'm still very diligently working on. And that, by the way, is a huge difference from the person I used to be to where I can give you an answer on just about anything, whether I actually believe it or not. And so what I'm not willing to do on this show is that. I appreciate that.
and it kind of by the way, I feel like that's you. You said this show, but I have a sense that that's what you're doing in general, for sure. Right? Like you're just approaching it from a highly transparent place, and also detaching ego from having to know the answers to be a reflection. And so I really appreciate your ability to even in this moment to talk about that and reflect on that. I'm curious if you looked at entrepreneurship today, and I don't want to get into nitty gritty business. Okay. We've talked about a lot of concepts here. They're very, very strong. We're all aware of this hustle culture. I fell into it. You fell into it in certain ways, but you also structured that. And then I want to say you fell into it. It's because do, 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 stack myself as much as I possibly can, grow as much as I possibly can, but you're learning there's a different rhythm to life. How do you believe me in the influence that you're heritage so that it's not to the extreme that creates the damage in so many lives? I don't believe culture. I don't think. I don't actually never did. Now, I'm not saying that I didn't work very hard, but this new, at least, definition of what a young entrepreneur should do is based on nonsense. It's based on, my opinion, this whole slew of social media people who were never until they got instantaneous and then money. So they don't really know what it took or takes to actually be successful. Correct. They dreamt up the most ridiculous thing they could ever imagine to make it seem impossible to someone that actually wants to try. It's absolutely new. created a seven-step system for success to help Max Lowe's it. Get up before you have new old path, do this, do that. It's all nonsense. There's no, there's, if you, you could talk to the, the 10,000 most successful entrepreneurs, there's actually not a lot of parallels between any of them. And Fermosi says, I'm going to steal it. Some guys, you know, get up at four, and get up in the afternoon. Some work out every day. So Donald Trump, Burger King, or McDonald's every single day. Right. It's just about what you do when you do it. And so that's not the thing discipline isn't important. Of course it is. And do I believe you should be healthy and work out? Yes, I do. But if you don't, it doesn't mean you're not going to be. Yeah. So in a word... Also, culture is bullshit. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And I appreciate even the separation for you. I, I know it was trying to imply that you believed in a lot of culture. So thank you for the clarification on your interpretation on that. But hard work reward. Life is application everything. Well, exactly. That's right. right. Well, I mean, I life is first about showing up, and it's how do you show up, and then it's where you show up. And, and so, so as you look towards your approach, you know, you talked about your biggest problem being relationship, and what's the gap that still exists there for you? So, um, is it trust? Yeah, I mean, making relationships has never been hard, but actually having a relationship, yeah. right? That's what, I, yeah. And the, uh, sorry, the gap. What's the gap between where you are today and where you're still going to go as it relates to your depth in relationships? I'm really excited to find out. How big this can get for me, you know, it's exciting. Like even sometimes I, I step back, like I just did here when I was talking to you and I, I'm talking to myself before I'm talking and I'm saying to myself, don't, don't do what you're about to do. Don't give a bullshit answer that comes from a place you're not even familiar with. And so the difference I've seen in relationships um, and how I feel about myself, even just the past nine months, I'm just so overjoyed. Because it is a compound effect that I'm believing. And I'm excited about the people that I know in my life. 
Um, you know, someone like yourself was a great example. Even Mouser is a great example. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say this because he deserves to hear this, but he deserves, the world needs to hear what I said to him the other day because it was true. Met him for the first time and a couple of days ago. And, but before that, we just randomly texting a man that had and so before I even met him about a week out, I texted him and literally said, I've literally, I've never done this before. Um, I'm, I, I've never even met you, and I already feel like I want to do for you. And so I met him, and it was everything I thought he would be. And he's surrounded by the most beautiful group of human beings I've ever met in my life. And by the way, all incredibly accomplished, successful, famous. And there was no, there was nothing but gratitude and i've never been in a world like that in my life right so that is what i want to do i'm going to give him the greatest compliment i can give him and i said it to him when i stood there i said i'm 44 years old but i've never said this to another man in my life but you're demonstrating a way of life that i hope yeah since that's an example for what's possible there's no doubt and, and I, I mean, dude, I, I resonate so deeply with that. He was one of the first people that I interacted with that I was completely connected with on to. And, you know, what I've said about Meltzer for people for, for years, since we've now gotten very close. I mean, he's had a live show together for 18 months. We're friends. We've, like, families have started dinner. And I've gotten, we've gotten depth in that relationship. And what I've always said about him, and, and I believe it, I don't believe he will ever create damage in my life. And if he does, I act. He will repair it. Oh, he will just more than I can say about most people. Agreed. Because, because most people will treat damage intentionally and unintentionally. And, and then you don't, don't seek repair. Agreed. Where are the places in your life you've created damage that you are in the process or have repaired? The greatest damage I did was myself. I was I didn't do a lot of damage to other people because um I think you know, unpacking it right here, I think I, I deserve it most, which is so unhealthy and unproductive. But I told myself I was just really good at pushing stuff down and compartmentalizing this particular work. I just compartmentalize that. I put it over there. It doesn't in that, you know, 40 years of this all opened at once. Um, so to answer your question, the greatest able I did was to myself on a regular basis. Now that doesn't mean around me. Uh, didn't feel it, um, but unfortunately, I don't know how they feel. You're, you're, I know if there was damage, I'm sure. Was how could there? Yeah. No, I think that's fair, and I, and I appreciate we've been coming full circle on that by saying yeah, I've never believed that I've created damage, but it's very likely that I did. Yeah, the reality is, when I was operating in a position where I was unaware of the wall showing, I had an edge about me. I was completely unaware of, so that edge cut. Of course, right? right? And, and, and even if the words weren't dead, voices weren't waiting, like energy still exists. When I know that uh, that's that's the truth, you know, it's interesting. You talked about the push down the compartment. You talked deeply about that, right? Because I genuinely believe that's what the world tells you. Show up with a smile on, move fast, right? Don't feel, right? You've got to have it all together. And as a result of it, we are so conditioned to push through. And every time we push through, we push down. And, and I always liked it in their proverbial trash can. The more you push down, right? I, I was the type of trash can that had a lid on it and a lock on the lid. It had a seal on the lid and a key. Like my parents did. But I created this bomb that had trash shrapnel that would send throughout the real world, whether I was aware of it. And so I appreciate all the ways that you've talked about that. 
Derek, I, I'm I'm grateful for how open you've been today. I'm I'm curious, is there a part of your story that we didn't get to that you think would be meaningful for us to cover? Hmm. It depends. You know, I mean, um so in the past I've talked about, you know, the the layers length of abuse. And I don't know that that's something we need to get into, but when I've shared stories in the past, um I, I guess the only thing I want to get out there is um no matter where you come from, no matter what abuse you are through, no matter how long you've been living a certain way, or from a guy who lived 40 years, um, so cliche, but it's so true. Like it's, it's never too late. It's not. Um, and I don't even know if I'd be that uh, up until a couple of years mm -hmm. ago, sure. I just assumed that's well, what I could you have your scarcity. Well, you don't have enough time, you don't have money, you don't have enough of anything. I just assumed that this was the life I had. Which, by the way, you know, from all appearances, was okay. Every time I felt bad, I just go buy another car. <laughs> I feel bad in the big rich person. Don't feel bad for the guy with the world's life, right? Um, but anyway, so I mean, like I said, I'm all the going in. Want to go? I came here with the. I told you, you know, I'm I'm a completely open, transparent book, um, and that's that's just how I want to live my life moving forward. Well, you've hit layers and that, so I'm going to hit that. Yeah. Right. And we don't have to go super deep unless it's an area that we think we need to. But, you know, I genuinely believe that for every layer of pain that we create, we create a coinciding layer of armor that protects ourselves from whatever caused the pain, right? You know, whatever belief system, whatever narrative, whatever emotional narrative, or whatever just fight or flight response kicks in for our nervous system because we're surviving, right? And so that's all real. And so when we have layers of pain, we get layers of armor. Lots and lots and lots of layers of pain. You have reference to definitely the abuse. What, what about the abuse do you think affected you the most? Mm. And physically, as well as emotionally, where would you say you were at in those early years as it related to your defense or healing connected to it? If any. I would say so the emotional so there was all all abuse. Um and as bad as the physical abuse, and we can certainly get into that and open to do that. Um, I think the emotional abuse was certainly by far worse. You know, look, scars the cuts heal, but the emotional stuff never goes away. Uh, and I you know, in my I'm just gonna go off of See where we land. You know, in my younger years, I actually embraced being a victim. Uh, I actually, that was my badge of honor as a young man. I even thought that it made me special. Like, I survived. That's enough. I didn't need to, need to do anything else until I let go of that. Um, yeah, I lied completely. No, I, uh, I appreciate that. Can you, can you describe how you experienced emotional abuse? Um, so it was actually my stepfather, um, but also my mother as well. It was just a constant barrage of manipulation, uh, embarrassment really, I think was the worst one. Actually, I think that's true. Embarrassment was the worst one to be made to make it feel like you are less than enough. That really was one of the abuse. It was to make me feel like, I don't even know how, what, just a, a piece of absolute garbage. Yeah. In both in public and uh, at home, you know different types of things at home versus public. 
Um, but I would say it just destroying a uh, little boy's psyche and um, self-worth, or at least attempting to, uh, yeah. on a regular basis, 365 days a year for almost 12 months. Wow. How'd you, How'd you get up at 12? Uh, my father. So my father actually fought for custody of me the entire time this was happening. Eventually, at that, about that age, he finally got custody. Now, back then, men didn't really have the rights that we do now. Um, it's just kind of a simple mom got the yeah. was all, always go, go hey, right. now. There's still some priorities. I mean, live out and understand elements why. But. Huh? So I, I was just locked in and I didn't really get to see my father until almost that age. Uh, and of course I was told that he was a horrible man. Actually not the case at all. Um, so to answer your question, that's how eventually I got out. No, before that, my mom finally left the man, um, and we moved around the state of Rhode Island for a bit of a year and faced us and burned her cars to the ground and shot and run through the window and just pursuing us for a year trying to uh, keep that control over us. Um, but that subsided and finally my dad um, got me out of the picture. But ironically, just after we were already led by that environment. So you got to live with your dad starting at 12, huh? Well, 13. And what did the remainder of your childhood look like? Back and forth between my mom and my dad. Okay. Uh, you know, again, I, I was deeply connected to my mother for all the wrong reasons. Never had a good relationship with my father because I thought he was a horrible person. Well, codependency gets created. Oh, it's such a deep. Both ways. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. She needed me to survive. I needed to protect her. Yeah. To survive. That's why it's called codependency. You're like, literally, like, the, the, the definition of them is this ingrained belief on need, needing of existence for each other. Yeah. You listen four or five years old, of course not sexually, but I was her husband in the sense that you were. she unloaded things on me that most, that would probably destroy 30 fucking year old. Yeah. Uh, and so I, yeah, I just, I didn't know how not to be that warrior who held my mom up. I had to do it. Uh, it really was my, it's who I was for a really long time. So it's who you were forced to be. Correct. Is it who you were? Of course not. Of course not. Yeah, I, look, and I say this all the time. I'm actually talking to my brothers about it. I'm not quite sure who I would have been no. had I not loved three Um Now, it's given me some qualities that are very, very, very strong. Our trash well, mother's treasury. That's right. You're very well said. Yeah, very well said. So, I, you know, I, I, you, first of all, you can't go back. But uh, I wouldn't, no, I would love to change my mom and my daughter, um, what my sister went through, my brother. But I don't know that I would dream the strength and qualities and just drive that it gave me. Um, it, it, they literally never are without each other. That's right. right? The deepest toxic abuse, shame, patterning, all of it shapes your trash and your treasure in the same moment. Yeah. I think it made me a better father, too. As crazy as that sounds. Maybe I would have been a phenomenal mother, but it gave me a, a perspective and just yeah. absolute. Or you don't want your kids to have. I, I experienced the worst of the worst. Um, and I went into fatherhood. It was, it was relatively not super young, but relatively young, 24, um, 26 actually, when I had my, my first daughter. And I didn't skip a beat. From the second she was born, I, I, I knew without knowing that. I wanted to be the dad that got up and changed the diaper at 3 a.m. 
even though I was exhausted and had to go to work. I wanted the next child to cry because I knew that that would create a bond that would never. And so I tell friends now when they're having kids, do the stuff you don't think you want to do because they're going to be 16 before you know it. And that, that, and there's something about the act of doing it that makes you feel like, like there is a sense of like, I'm, I am somewhat sacrificing. I don't know. You know, as father, I do. And, and, and I deeply rather than everything you say, you know, unfortunately, I, I did skip. Yep. I mean, the first six months of my son's life, it was the first week I took off. Well, because I didn't change my pattern in my life. Yep. And that was the moment I realized I was living in complete incongruence between what I told everybody, which was that I was doing everything to the better for the benefit of my family, but all I was doing was providing for them financially. Well, I didn't provide the physical presence for the first six months of my kid's life. And I don't think I provided, even though there, there really wasn't fear, the depths of emotional safety that exists today, mm. yeah. we were a fraction of that for me and my, my, my path. And I was always a great dad. Yeah. I'm a kick-ass dad and I'm a cab Yeah. But I was not the dad that my kids deserved when they came to the world. Um, and I worked on that every day myself. You said something there that grabbed me. I hear men say it all the time. And as I'm constantly trying to unpack why I did what I did, not, not bad, but how I lived my life. I'm working this hard for my family. I think there's some, there's some gray stuff in there. And I'll, of course, I have no right to speak for anyone other than myself. But you can easily argue that my children don't need the level of success that I achieved. So for me, I realized I was doing it. My family benefits from it, but I also know most, I did, I did it right with my kids. But when I look at other guys who are, are not having that consistency with their children, I know and you know, so long as I'm not worrying about food and a house and clothes, they would, they would much rather call you. Yeah. And honestly, that was what forced me out of my last business. Is my wife and I sat down in 2019 and she asked me a question. Hey, hey, what would you do if you didn't go to the office on Monday? Yeah. And then that moment when swirling in my shame and drowning in my doubt and flooded in my fear, and I look over and say to her, uh, that's a loaded question. I mean, more, right? But ultimately, part of the message she gave me was that they needed 100% of me and they didn't have it. Yeah. When she said, Brian, the prominence, the significance, the, the business, or whatever, she's like, I don't give a shit if we live in a cardboard box in the corner. Yeah. Well, he is 100% of you. Yeah. And it was another 14 months after that before we started to actually be able to effectively unpack all of it. But when she was trying to actually almost two years after that, when the anger started to come out, but the reality of it is, is that was her seeing me and wanting me to see myself the way she felt. Mm. Wow. Good woman. I've, you, I've, you know this. He heard and my wife is incredible and I get a hundred percent of the credit for what's 50% mine. And I often say that, right? Um, well, every once in a while, I've been known to be okay with words. So I'll accept that. Um, but you know, even the way that you were able to just talk about that is, is really incredible because I, I, a lot of people look at me in awe and they're like, oh man, good thing you caught it at six months. Because I feel like truly the fact that I had this awareness moment to pivot my life completely and give me more depth with my children and time with my children allowed me to be more congruent. Today, what I say is I still genuinely believe that I'm doing everything from the for my family, mm -hmm. right? But there's also a whole lot that's going to flow through us, yes. right? And, and so all I say today is I don't say that language anymore. I say my family is the only thing playing. Hmm. 
It's the only thing that if my kids and my wife are not guilty, I'll shut everything else down and walk away from everything else mm-hmm. to ensure that they are. That's not, that's the way I look at it today. Yeah. Because if I know that that's the case, right? If I'm in the position in the world where I'm investing in people to help them become the best version of who they are, yeah. and I'm not doing that my wife's kids first. Yeah. Well, right. How would that even go out? It isn't. Yeah. So I would keep that top of mind today for the way that I operate through the world. Your dad came into your life at 12. You know, what impact has he had on your life? Um, actually, you know, it's really, that's a great question. This is the biggest impact he had on me was he never spoke bad about my mom. Yeah. Um, because he had, um, I would have nowhere to go. He knew that I was tied to my mom unhealthily and as things started to come up and I started to suspect, I went to him often looking for him to slam her. And I think I thought that would free me. But I, I think what he recognized was that it would actually destroy me even deeper. There was something I had to find on my own. And then I took that into my own kids. I had a divorce and there were some issues. Well, I went through a real similar thing and I refused to do the same. And I saw how powerful that was. So that was maybe one of the greatest gifts he ever gave me in my life. That's an incredible gift. Yeah. And you're right. Many divorced parents don't necessarily understand that 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 person is still their mother or father. And the depths of impact of the other mother or father communicating otherwise can truly take whatever pain you had and take it even deeper. And so that's a beautiful gift. Um, you bounced back and forth between 12 and 18. Mm-hmm. Um, is your dad still alive today? Yeah. In fact, he's staying at my home in Florida right now. Oh, that's, that's awesome. awesome. That's awesome. So you've established a pretty damn good relationship as a result of this. He's my best friend. Who showed you what masculinity or the masculinity that you choose to live your life with today existed in such a powerful way? Who was that model for you? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that there was. You know, it's really interesting because I, I, on the outside, I am what the world thinks a masculine guy is, but the real terror, I am, I'm highly emotional. I'm highly excited. I always highly emotional. Yep. I, I packed into the, the feminine because I have two daughters. Uh, and that's really where that taking person, I don't know where I would be, who I would be if this ball happened. I suspect I would have been writer, songwriter, singer. I'm, crazy artistic i loved all of these things funny story don't know my father for this but you know i'm in like fourth grade and i signed up for chorus i'm super excited about it you know practicing singing and and then i get up on stage for like the first thing when i I start my father walks in he sees his son like singing and the look of disappointment in his face i mean like i felt my soul right so I, 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 anyway, I've been an athlete my whole life, but I was an athlete, I think. I just happened to be really good at sports. I don't know that I ever really um, enjoyed it on the level that matched with the success. And so my masculinity, I think, was driven by what I thought masculinity was supposed to look like. Mm. Um, and now, you know, I talk to a lot of some of the younger guys, and even guys oh, in their 40s, I, I, I talk about how, um, or they talk about how my approach is so unique to what they were living. 
Mm-hmm. I've actually always kind of been that way. I'm not, I mean, you know, I fought every day of my life growing up in the projects. Had, like, I leaned into um, caring and, and talking about talking about your emotions. I'm the guy who like with my partner. I'm the one I want to call it. I want to resolve. I want to feel versus you know. Um, well, no, I mean, I just I yeah I I, I liked that a lot. I I'm curious. You just liked something that was really interesting. It sparked a very specific question. You, does your love of business match your success? Oh. Um, aspect. What, what aspects? I I am a I'm a deal maker. Okay. I love I love um I do love the competition. Yeah. Of outthinking somebody else. I'm a, I'm a speaker. I'm a thinker. I'm a deep deep thinker. One of the other things that I I did do escape was I read a ton as a kid. Yeah. Oh, I lived in books, TV, and the yeah. Um, but so I'm avoiding the question a little bit. I don't know that I've ever actually. The answer you said in sports that didn't match, so yeah, I've been getting less than and they did. And I guess, sorry, I'll answer this way. Um, I love the I love what business now affords it allows me to do what I believe is the next iteration of my life, which is deep and meaningful, uh, philanthropy and relationships. Uh, and listen, I am. I have a luxury that most people don't have, or at 40, I can say, you know, well, yeah. I'm going to spend a year exploring how I feel about me. That's that's something that most people would never be able to do. And without the wealth that I built, I would have probably never, not probably, I would have never been able to do that. Yeah. Um, so, so I believe for a long time I wasn't creative. Mm. Right. I'll, 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 it's, it's fascinating. I'm actually deeply, deeply creative. I just didn't realize it for a long time. Sure. Because I killed so much of my natural self in the expression on welding business here, and I believe it needed to happen. Because I shut, you know, you on the other hand seem to have always identified with being on the creative or artistic side, right? Uh, how do you still feel your creative outlet? It's it is still with business, and so that's my that's my favorite part of business is the creation part. Whether it's whether it's a brand that I build from the ground up, or I invest in a new company and I get to create, I'm creating the future. You see, I already like. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so for me, it's still, that is my that is my ability to express who I really was, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that is. Well, to be able to have that be a creative outlet for you, I believe the creativity is what really need to like pure inspiration, pure manifestation, to allow things to actually grow. Like it has to come from that kind of creative mm-hmm. energy. Um, I. I for a very, very long time. Uh, you know, I expressed a lot of my creativity actually through philosophy for a lot of years. And, and now I'm doing it more through business than I used to. Uh, because I had these rigid beliefs on what that meant, right? And so that's one of the things that drew me to you also is your focus on Yeah. And you talk about being a philanthropist, this next phase of philanthropy. I think it's really, really unique what you were doing as it relates to philanthropy. Mm-hmm. specifically targeted areas of poly of actually elevating our people. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. Maybe just some backdrop on why that and how that's grown. And then I would just like to know what does this next phase of philanthropy look like for you beyond that project? Sure. I'm glad you came back here because there was, was something that clicked for me. Um, so I'm going to start there. Um, I said that when I was disingenuous. 
because I was doing it for notoriety. And actually now I think I, I actually never gave where people knew. I never wrote big checks uh, and took credit for them. I just mm-hmm. needed it quietly. So I think the part that really, and I'm just on that's that. a start contest and how I interpreted it earlier. Too. No, I know. Thank you for that. I yeah. never did it. Yeah. I always did it. I probably donated millions and millions of dollars a year and no one knew. I love that. love that. So, but as I was talking about, what did I actually mean there? So now you, you opened it for me. Um, I started a charity weeks on my mother. And I think that's what, although I didn't ask people that still do, I think because the whole concept started with her, I think that I had to unpack some stuff. Um, so let's, let's, I guess, a decent lead in. Um, so my mom worked here for 12 years. Before that, um, it was a constant flow of need, 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 and nothing ever worked. It was just keeping love. Right. And so I was looking for a way to at the yeah, or enabling and the codependency still. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm a mess. And so at that time I'm looking, well, how, how can I give back in the energies where my companies are earning money? Seemed like the right thing to do. And at that time I'm trying to figure out well, how do I get my mom out of this cycle? And so I said, you need me some money and I said, I'm your money. I've got a condo like Fort Myers. Let's move in there. And here's a stipulation. You're going to give me a certain lot of money each month, but put it in the account. Um, we're going to talk about financial management, do a job, you meet a couple times a month, talk about all this stuff. Uh, and I did that at the end of 12 months, I get the money back. It changed her life in a way, um, at least for a period of time, um, that was really profound. Yeah. Now, as we talk about things, didn't turn out well. Um, but it was enough for me to go, this might beat something. And so that I started uh, 501c3 around the clock. Airing because at the time my big company was around the business, which I inevitably sold in 2019. Uh, right before COVID. Uh, and so we started buying these little family homes in areas where I had companies or assets. Uh, and we would find a new family with children. Yeah. We would get them out of that situation, allow them to live in the homes for free. Uh, we'd give them a job placement, we'd get them a car, we'd have mentorship, we'd do job training, all of these things. And let them go, you know, maybe 12 months, 18 months later. Uh, and it just it worked really well. It's super real. It's very rewarding, right? Again, it's me. All this is coming back. Me trying to find a way to protect that little boy who was me that was never protected. So I just kept trying to do it to avoid, I think, actually working on, on, on what would really help. Well, still an amazing, um, amazing thing that we've done and, and really um, love the product. Well, I, I, I this is one of the times I'm doing this issue. Right. That. That's really incredible work. And and I know that in a lot of the work we've done in, in those same types of communities, that's been our belief system is right. If we really want to stabilize the economy, we really want to stabilize community, and we really want to see growth over time, like we can't let the bottom that's right. And then that's like often for not as it related to especially like we were talking about some larger platform where there is ego in the giving is it's not always actually about understanding how this system works and you got that right you buy at the poorest of poor and level of wealth that most people can't even begin to wrap their minds around i'm curious if you can see both of those perspectives what's the human experience that exists in both of them the line is not at, you're not that far away i mean we, I talk about this all the time, and I, I use I use a net crazy analogy. Whether you're poor or you're a billionaire, there's not that big of a difference, but there really is. 
So for me, that's, that's the experience no one understood. You know, listen, your success yesterday doesn't mean you're successful tomorrow, and your failure doesn't mean you're going to fail tomorrow. Right? And so I've kind of operated that way for two reasons. One, I was broken, and I would, and to some degree, I will never not, as the floor say again, I'll never not be that more kids who rely ever. It's an asset and a liability. Um, it's an asset that drives me. It's a liability because it's a liability. <laughs> you know. um, but yeah, I think that's the weird. Uh, and I talk about it all the time. And we're talking both financially, emotionally, spiritually, morality. Yeah. That's that. Yeah. And there's no difference from a person to person basis, whether you're a, a billionaire or poor. And I've, and my, my children act this way and I act this way. When I fired or not acting this way in my C-suite team. There is no I've been the people shit that people look down on, and I have almost no circle with my peers because most of them are just not very good. Enough. Thank, Thank you for all of what you just said. I, uh, I, I have lots of appreciation for people who recognize the human experience and the fact that each and every one of us are really just one heartbeat, one breath away from each other. And there is a lot greater connection and collective impact that can happen when people at all levels can realize that we are the same. Yes. And taking that into account is so profound and you clearly need with heart in so many ways. I'd be curious as we wrap here, is there a message you'd like to leave the audience with? You've crossed so much vulnerability, so much wisdom layered into all of the pieces of your own story and experience. What do you want them to leave with? I would say, hard as it seems, and we talked about it a little bit before, leaning into, I, I believe, I mean, this is experience, we all know where we're broken and where we're hurting. Um, it's just so scary to go there. But from a guy that just came off the battlefield, still on the battlefield. We, we all are. But, okay, so then from the guy that actually got on the battlefield, yeah, I can tell you that as scary as it feels Take that first step. Um, once you do it, it's it's a, it's it's a goddamn beautiful thing. I never thought I'd ever feel this way in my life. Um, and so, I guess the message is: no matter how bad it you feel, no matter how broken you think you are, there was no one that felt worse than me or more broken than me, regardless of what I had. And just taking that first step has changed my life and the lives around me in the most meaningful way I could ever describe. So I would just encourage and forward beg people that are in some situations to just to just go for it. Yeah. Yep. I uh, I really appreciate that. And and the reality of it is nobody wants to sit and look in their garbage can. They don't want to look up a world and see what's there and they don't want to sit and feel like garbage for very long. But you're guaranteed to feel that way if you continue to push through and push down. But and all you're helping people do is to recognize the power of being able to release and go and release the light bulb wherever it becomes possible. And I would say also let's say, uh, don't pedestal. That's so huge. Not, I'm certainly including myself. Yeah. But I think that's part of it too. We put these people on a pedestal and all that does is make you feel even worse. I hope if anything else, looking at someone that maybe someone would have put me on a pedestal and go, oh my God, that guy felt this way too. Yeah. I hope that makes Eventually, that's why this show exists. Because, yeah. look, you can go find strategies and tactics anywhere. Which, 
and if people want to find your watches them and all the things that you've done in business for you know what my ring was oh it's all over there right these are conversations that i think need to be normal so good because it proves the point that you just know we're all going through this together and whether you've got a quarter billion dollars in the bank and net worth or nothing or nothing what we're experiencing here is the same the isolation Disconnected, the loneliness, the guilt, and the scarcity. These are all narratives attached to all of us. Absolutely. And so thank you for being such a shining example of what's possible and being willing to, even in the eyes of so many people who would want that as a school, also normalize yourself with such depth and humility because that's what it's about. And that's, I think, what's flawed in, in, in many of this nature really good things. There's a lot of people out there talking, very few people with something to say. Yeah, but many platforms, and this is something I'll say about Meltzer that I agree with and love about him, many little platforms are built to try to get everyone in that group or community to become like that leader, that agenda, whoever the influencer is. Yeah. I believe in making everyone the best version of who they are to align with what their needs are, and that's how Meltzer lives as well. And that's all your thing. Absolutely. Yeah, don't, don't idolize and be like me. Have the courage to lean in and look at you. That's right. That's it. Which is scary. Really scary. Probably the scariest thing we For sure. You know about it's funny? Because I say that when you talked about wanting this freedom that can exist, like eliminate the waste, like get rid of some of these things, because you think you're not going to be able to escape. And by the way, you can live in minutes and moments versus months, years, and, and decades, which is a whole different deal. But while we're sitting here talking about this, like it all comes full circle to the fact that we are human. We experience the same things. We can look at what we think we can escape or not. But all we have is what's right in front of us. Mm -hmm. And we can take life one moment, one at a time, and we can go to surrender. That should allow us to be more connected. But freedom that you describe, I've always said it in spiritualist to me. Right? I love this analogy. Uh, do you know what happens when a plane flies in parallel, par parallel flight? No. Does that happen? They do this to the addition people, just like like the sub sub water buoyancy, the way that they do that, they give people the experience of weightlessness. Weightlessness happens between the poles, not in them, right? Life, right? Everything's black and white. People are constantly fighting, right? I look at this and say, fighting will swing with the pendulum from one side to the other, right? And it literally forces a side. And then it gets in the gray. Here's the reality. People are afraid of freedom. People are afraid to stand on their own because they don't have something to anchor to. We want freedom, we want hopelessness, yet we avoid it at all costs because of the perception of how scary it can be. And I'm going to say and guarantee that the reality of it is anything can run go inside, and you are. I'm not talking to you. I'm saying you proverbially in this situation. When you can learn to go inside, you create more freedom, and you only anchor to you. Which, which requires zero external anchoring or validation. And then that, that is freedom. Well said. Thank you for being here. Thank you. We really appreciate you. And for those of you that watch this, you can come from nothing and have a life that many people would trade so much for. Yes, it will be. Still be disconnected. You can honor the fact that 40 years of your life have existed a certain way. You have narratives both intellectually and emotionally. Layers of abuse that run so deep that you have 
than protecting yourself and those around you your entire life to a place that Fort Knox is so hard to penetrate, you can't ever have what you really want, which is relationships. Connection. To be seen be connecting a community that is going to want something for you instead of from There is life lessons show that this is all possible, but that all of us are just one moment away from each other. If we're willing to drop the armor, flip open the lid, and scan our cans to admit what lays inside, you'll all have the ability to do that. What you can probably tell by now is that I love telling these stories, but what I love even more is the impact that's coming from them. You see, we're on a mission to impact over a billion lives as quickly as possible, but to do that, we need you. See, we believe that moved people move people. And so all I'm asking is if you've resonated, connected with any of the messaging, please consider like, commenting, sharing, leave a rating and review. Thank you so much for tuning into Flipping the Lid. And if you want more information on the show, how to become a guest, how to recommend a guest, or any of the other details, head over to flippingthelid.com. We'll see you there.